<coughs> Christmas Day is always a difficult time to preach. Because there's only so many texts that have to do with Christmas. Amen? Look what that says. The Christmas of shepherds and wise men. Does that sound strange? Of course not. We know what shepherds have to do with Christmas. We know what wise men have to do with Christmas. But I say this. Every one of us in this room today, whether or not you are a believer, whether or not you are on fire for Christ, you can only come to this church today as one of two people. Every man or woman must encounter the babe of Christmas as either a shepherd or a wise man. Consider that for a minute. You're sitting here as either a shepherd or as a wise man. Because these two figures represent the only way you can encounter Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't come to church today because they don't necessarily believe in Jesus Christ. Some people are of a different faith. Some people are just atheists. They just don't believe in anything. But every time you see a Christmas tree, a Christmas card, every time you see the little star Bethlehem, or you hear a Christmas carol on the radio, which in North Carolina is on every radio station, you have to deal with this person of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Today I want to look at two scriptures, two different scriptures, and I want to talk about the way we encounter Jesus. First is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A desire fulfilled is what I've called this. A desire fulfilled. We're going to talk about how to come to Christmas as a wise man, as a wise man. Take a look at the word of God this morning, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written about by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem and the land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star that they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling on their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him with these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. This story is so familiar to us. These scriptures, these images are burned into our collective Christmas conscience. Look at those words. Do you ever stop to think about what was actually going on in the lives of these wise men? First of all, how many wise men came from the east? We always sing we three kings, right? How many does the Bible say showed up? Doesn't say. Doesn't say there were three kings. 
Now, there are other, other sources that tell us there were three wise kings that came, but they're not biblical sources. We think there may have been many, many more, in fact, than could have fit into one house. You see, to cross from Persia, which is the east, to Jerusalem was a very dangerous route. In fact, it was a very long route. In fact, it could have taken up to six, eight, ten months to get safely from Persia to Jerusalem. Now consider this. A journey of that length cannot be done quickly. It cannot be done cheaply. These wise men were astrologers. They were magi, or magi as they're called. They were serving in the Persian Empire. These were men of great power, great influence, great wealth. They saw something happen in the east. They saw something amazing. How did they know what was going on in Jerusalem? These are pagans. These are not believers. These are not Jews. They're not worshipers of Yahweh God. How do they know that the king of the Jews is born? If you were a Magi, you would see the heavens like a scroll. And the Magi had a scroll that they set before themselves. And the heavens were divided into sections. Each section represented a country or a nation or a people. When they saw something happening in the heavens, they identified that with the country where that, of, that section of the sky they identified it as that country, so something happened there. They would interpret each thing they saw in the heaven as either good or bad. So apparently they looked up one night, and they saw something appear in the section of the heavens that was Judah. But why would they be thinking something important was going to happen in Judah? <coughs> I told you before, coming to the first century, the entire world was on fire looking for a messiah, looking for a deliverer, looking for a king. Do you know why? A little trip back in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 2, verse 47. We know what Daniel was, right? An amazing man of God, an interpreter of dreams. We know he was taken captive for those 70 years in Babylon. We know that Daniel was a great man of God. But listen to this. They, the king said to Daniel, Your God is indeed God of all gods, Lord of all lords, and the revealer of mysteries. Since you were able to reveal this mystery, meaning, of course, his first dream, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all the magi of Babylon. Daniel had done what no other wise man could do. He told the king the meaning of his dream. Who better to reign over, to rule over, and to train the wise men of Babylon than the only man gifted by God with true insight? Daniel knew the Messiah was coming. Daniel knew that there would be a king in Israel and he would become king over the entire earth. Daniel knew, even as a child, even as a young man, what to look for in the heavens. Don't you think in all the long years that Daniel trained the Magi or the wise men of Babylon that he told them what to look for? How many of you guys have read the book of the Revelation? Last book in the Bible, scariest book in the Bible. Do you know that is the one book that almost nobody reads? Almost nobody in the modern church reads the book of Revelation. Why? It's scary and it's confusing. Most pastors don't even preach on the book of Revelation because they don't want to step out in faith and say this is what God is doing. What's the other book that nobody preaches out of? The Song of Songs. Because no pastor wants to deal with that whole issue of romantic love. 
So isn't it amazing? Romantic love and the future of the human race, the two things that are most important to us, the two things most ignored by modern pastors. I think it's amazing. When Daniel was in charge of the Magi or the wise men of Babylon, I believe he taught them exactly what to look for. And even though Daniel had been dead for many years by this time, the teachings that he left carried on after him. Moms and dads, I challenge you this coming year, teach your children about the Messiah. Not just the Bible stories of Jesus doing this and Jesus doing that. Don't just give them the Bible stories, give them the facts behind it. Starting in January, I've decided to change things a little bit. I was going to do the book of Hebrews. <coughs> a couple weeks ago, I spoke at the Revolution, and I spoke here. A great thing happened. Suddenly, people started asking me questions about the Bible, things that they weren't sure about, things they didn't know about, things they kind of doubted. I think I'm going to take a month, just a month, and I'm going to deal with some of these issues, such as a global flood, the Garden of Eden. Where did Cain get his wife anyways? Deal with some of these issues. Do you know why? I want you to be wise men and women who know the word of God. Why did we go over prophecy last week? Because I want you to know and to be able to defend your faith with your faith. Our faith in God is not blind, amen? Just say amen, make me feel better. Amen. Our faith is founded in what God has said, what he has revealed, and what he's fulfilled. These young men sitting over right here are the future of America. Young people sitting right here are the future of this church. Here's the thing, young man, young woman, how are you going to defend your faith? What are you going to say when a science teacher comes against you, when a professor in college says, oh, the Christian faith is blind and stupid? What are you going to say? You can only say two things. Yes, professor, you're right. It is stupid, and I don't believe a thing that they taught me. Or let me tell you why I believe what I believe. These wise men were descended from wise men who were descended from wise men who still knew the Messiah was coming. They knew it so much that when it says the star appeared in the heavens, they started following that star. You know what's amazing to me? The star didn't go ahead of them the whole time. Did you know that? Nowhere in the Bible does it say the star moved ahead of them through the entire desert. Remember, they're over here in Persia. Jerusalem's over here. That's six to ten months through the desert. You've got to hire a caravan master. You've got to get the gifts. You've got to hire the guards. At one time, Babylon boasted as many as 200 magi, 200 professional paid wise men. What do you want to bet at least 50 of them went to see who this Messiah would be, who this believer was, was going to be? I'm going to bet there was a large caravan that went. That would take months and months to prepare. We know later, and we're going to see it in the next section, the wise men don't show up for two years. Two years after the birth of Jesus, they show up. They were not there that night. They didn't come to the stable. They didn't just pop out of nowhere with the shepherds and give their gifts. They came much later. But it's amazing to me that they came at exactly the right time. The Magi came right before Joseph was warned, get Mary, get your baby, get out of here. They're going to try and kill him. Herod was going to do exactly what Pharaoh tried to do, kill the firstborn of Israel. Herod made a fatal mistake in repeating the sins of the greatest 
butcher in history, which was Pharaoh. See, he tried to circumvent the will of God, and you can't do that in your life. All of us sitting here know who Jesus is. We've heard the scriptures. We've heard the stories. Hopefully today you came as a wise man. Hopefully you came looking for confirmation. These wise men invested two years of their life getting to Jerusalem because they wanted to see if everything Daniel had taught them was true. Young people, you should be looking every day to see if everything that the Bible says is true. See this little book right here? This is my Bible. But this is a special kind of Bible. This is an apologetics Bible. This Bible shows me how to defend myself with history, science, archaeology. It gives me all the defenses I need to prove to a pagan world that everything I believe is true. Will that convince them of Jesus? No. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But I need to arm myself like the wise men. And then I need to step out of faith and go see Jesus. You can come here every Sunday. You can come here every Sunday listening to the scripture, listening to the Bible. But if you don't put it to the test, if you don't put your whole life behind it, you will never know if it's true or not. These wise men could have stayed in Babylon. They could have written in the scrolls. Star appeared in the sector of Judah. Must be the birth of the king according to the prophet Daniel. On to the next matter. And they could have moved on. These men came all the way across the world. Because there was a prophecy. A prophecy by Micah. Micah 5.2. Write it down. Look it up. Always know that it's there. In Bethlehem of Judah... They told them, because this is what's written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Micah said it 400 years before it happened. He told them who, and he told them where. That's what the wise men wanted to know. They wanted to know if it was true. Have you ever studied the Bible to prove it true? Many men have studied the Bible to prove it false. Many men like Lee Strobel investigated the Bible to destroy the, wife of his, to destroy the faith of his wife. Lee Strobel's only point was to prove to his wife that she was a fool. You know what Lee Strobel found out? He was the fool and his wife was right. Just a little side note, gentlemen. Never try to prove your wife wrong. Even if you win, you will lose. Just a hint for the new year. If you need help with that one, it'll come back to me later. <coughs> notice this. Do you ever notice in verse 11, those first three words? Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell on their knees. Where was Jesus born? In the stable. You know, downstairs in the lower part of the house, like I said. Possibly born in an outside stable. But this is the inner of the house. It's two years later. Joseph, Mary have been in that house. They've been thriving. They've been prospering. Letting the baby get old enough so they could take it on the long journey back to Nazareth. Remember, in those days, you didn't take an unweaned child on the road. It was too dangerous. Too hard. Ladies, could you imagine breastfeeding on the back of a donkey going across country in miserable weather? That's why they were still in Bethlehem two years later. Because they didn't wean a child till it was two or sometimes three. Unless you're the Chinese emperor and he was weaned at six. That's another whole issue. Anyways, I know, history is a terrible thing. Anyways, you know why we know the wise men did not come 
that night? What had to happen before this? Because right after the wise men leave, the angel says, get your wife, get your kid, get out of here. Flee. Herod's going to kill your son. But what do we know from the scriptures happened? Well, we know that on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised, right? According to the law of Moses. We know that after 40 days, when Mary completed her time of purification from giving birth, that they took Jesus to the temple. And there they dedicated him to the Lord. And there they encountered Simeon and Anna, right? We know that from the scriptures. Now that's 40 days later. Then, by that time, Herod would have known he had been fooled. It had been too late to escape. I love our Christmas stories. I love our Christmas legends. But I love the Word of God better. We should all know from our studies exactly when and where these things happen. You know why? When they warned Joseph to flee, he had to flee right away. He didn't have time to go to the bank to get a letter of credit. He didn't have time to sell his stuff and get some money. He had to hook it right then and there, and he headed to Egypt, outside of the range of Herod's arm. What did they need for the road to flee to Egypt and to hang out? I'll tell you what they needed. A lot of money. The only large Jewish settlement in Egypt was in Alexandria. Alexandria, where they translated the Old Testament into Greek. A lot of Jews living there. Joseph could have gone there. He could have been safe. He could have worked. But he needed gold. He needed money for the road. And God provided exactly what he needed when he needed it. If there is some struggle in your, in your relationship right now, some trouble in your marriage, some trouble with your kids, whatever you're going through financially, believe me, God will give you what you need when you need it, but not one day earlier than you need it. You say, you're waiting for a relationship. You're going to have that relationship. And exactly the time God gives it to you, not one day earlier, and you can't force it. You can't make it happen. You can't make God's miracles come. You know, you can't speak it into existence. You have to wait for God's perfect time. And the time came two years after the birth of the baby. <coughs> the desire fulfilled was this. They had been waiting for hundreds, hundreds of years. It was only 400 years from Micah all the way over to the birth of the Jesus. But from the death of Daniel to the birth of Jesus, it's something like 700 years. 700 years they waited for this star to appear in the section of the sky that was Judah. And then it came. And when it came, they moved on it because they believed it was so. That's what it is, a desire fulfilled. We come to Jesus at Christmas time, we are just reconfirming the faith that we already have. But consider our other players in this great grand play. Luke 2, 8 through 20. <coughs> Luke 2, 8 through 20. Some people encounter Christmas as an amazing surprise. You think you got Christmas all figured out, huh? It's about Santa. It's about gift cards for mom and dad. It's about financial support. It's about that new sweater that you always get. Or if you're a dad, it's that new tie and the new socks. Hey, don't knock a new tie and new socks. You got to have them. They're out there important. But look at Luke. Here's an amazing surprise for men who had no idea what was going on. <coughs> in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flocks. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. Sounds like Charlie Brown's Christmas. 
But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today a Savior, or a Messiah, who is Messiah, the Lord, was born to you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped snugly in cloths and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Here's the critical thing, people. No matter how you came here today, here is the dividing line between those who find and those who don't. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the babe who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they have been told. The shepherds were not like the wise men. The wise men knew what to look for. They knew the sign of the times. They knew the heavens. They knew the place of Judah. They were looking for that star. The shepherds only knew, holy smokes, one more night in the fields. Does anybody see a wolf or a bear out there? Okay, does anybody got a sandwich? I'm hungry. That's all they knew. All they knew was day-to-day -day life. Now remember, this is Bethlehem. What's important about Bethlehem? When it comes time for the sacrifice, where do the sheep for the sacrifice come from? Bethlehem. Where does the high priest go to pick the perfect lamb for the perfect sacrifice every year? Bethlehem. These are not punk shepherds. These are important shepherds. They are watching over the best flocks in Israel, the flocks that will be used to choose the perfect sacrifice every year. So it's amazing. They're out there. It says they're in the fields by night, so we know this is the middle of spring or summer. It's a summer night. They're grazing the flocks at night. In the wintertime, they would be grazed in the day. They would be taken to safe shelter at night. So this is in the summertime somewhere. Then suddenly, in the middle of their everyday life, God shows up. Anybody here remember before you got saved what your life was like? You were going to work, you were paying the bills, you were fixing the house, you were washing the car, you were doing all those normal everyday things. Then suddenly, God interrupted your life. God reached down, pulled you up by the scruff of the neck and said, Hello, you've been ignoring me. You remember that day when God got your attention? When God stopped the world and made you pay attention to him? The shepherds had no way to avoid it. They were in the fields. Remember, these are the commonest of people. They are looked down on by the religious leaders because they take care of animals. They were looked down upon by the village people because they smelled bad. They smelled like the herds. They lived outside at night. They were not considered educated. They were not considered very desirable. So these are just everyday people like us, everyday common people. And then God steps into their life and says, don't be scared, I've got really good news for you. And here's the great news, the Messiah is finally here. Now, even though they were shepherds, they were not stupid. They knew about the Messiah, but they never paid attention to it. Do you know why? Because when you're trying to feed your children and you're trying to take care of the sheep and you're trying to kill the wolves and the bears, 
You don't have time to worry about God and theology and messiahs and signs. A lot of people in our country today, a lot of your friends, don't have time for the real Christmas because they're too busy trying to work and pay for all the gifts they just bought. I like one definition of Christmas. Christmas is people buying gifts for those they don't like with money they don't have on credit they can't afford. I like the way they define Christmas. Because from the secular mindset, that's what Christmas is. Spending money you ain't got on people you don't like. But the truth is it's not about that. It's about God interrupting that and showing us something completely different. What would happen today if you woke up this morning and you went downstairs to open your Christmas presents and instead an angel of the Lord said, hey, I want you to go to the whole world and tell them that Jesus is real. What would you think? You might think you got a hangover from last night. Too much eggnog. You know, you might think that you had a bit of bad cheese like Ebenezer Scrooge said and you're seeing things. Or you could consider the fact that God has a way of stepping into our lives and waking us up. I think it's amazing. <clears throat> he says, I have good news for you. This word good news is really special. It's euangelizo. Euangelizo. What does that word sound like? Euangelizo. Sounds like evangelize. That's the word for it. We say we want to evangelize the nations. We think that means we're going to go out there and we're going to scream and yell and make people listen to us. That's not euangelizo. Euangelizo is to tell somebody good news. Here's good news. Elmer, you just won the lottery. You're worth 20 million bucks. That's euangelizo. You know? That's you. Damon, you just got hired by the Rolling Stones to be their bassist. That's you on Galizzo. Yeah, that's a dream too. <laughs> you on Galizzo is to proclaim, to tell somebody something good, something beneficial, something wonderful. Brother Larry, your wife loves you. You on Galizzo. Proclaiming good news. You see, the whole world was looking for the Messiah and here he was. He was born, and heaven was rejoicing. Heaven was excited, and now God wanted his people on earth to be excited. He says, I give you great news. There will now be peace between God and men. There will never be peace between men and men, because men by their very nature want war. They want dominance. They want power. Jesus didn't come to bring an end to wars between men. He came to bring an end to the war between us and and the Father. And we've been at war with God since we got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. That's what we've been at war with. That's why there's an emptiness. That's why Christmas doesn't always seem like Christmas, because there's still that conflict in us with the Father. The notice is, after seeing this, they ran to Bethlehem. Here's the thing. If you're here today, and let's say you're not a Christian. Let's say you're not a Christian. You've been in church your whole life. You've been raised in church. You've been raised with the Bible. But you are not a believer. You are not convinced that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You're not convinced he's the Messiah. You're not convinced there is a God. You just don't know. You're not sure. Here's my Christmas invitation. This is my euangelizo. This is my, my good news to you. You can pick up this Bible or your Bible, his Bible, her Bible. Start in the Old Testament. Make a list of all the prophecies of who the Messiah was supposed to be, where he was supposed to be born, what he was supposed to do. When John was in prison, 
He said to his students, go ask Jesus, are you the one that we're looking for, or is there going to be another? Jesus didn't go back there and give him a list of all this heavenly stuff. He says, go tell John what you've seen and heard. The deaf can hear. The blind can see. Freedom is proclaimed to those who are slaves. The proof of who Jesus is is in what he did as opposed to what was said of the Messiah. So if you're sitting here today and you are not certain, you are not 100% sure who Jesus is, this is your year to find out. You need to rush to the Bible. You need to look at it. You need to be settled, sure in your mind, in your heart, who this God is. Because you know what? When the shepherds went, they were 50% sure, 50% skeptical. They thought they had a little too much yak milk that day, and they were seeing things. But they ran to see, and when they saw the baby, they were convinced. But now notice what they did. I don't even have to look at it. I know what they did. They rushed out and started telling people, the Messiah has been born, the Messiah has been born. How do you know? Angels came to us, and they told us the Messiah is here. And they said, what are you, stupid or drunk? Angels would not come to some punk shepherd like you. Angels would be in the temple. They would be going to the high priest. They would be going to the religious people. They would go to the pastors. I told you, God has proclaimed this to everyone on earth, every man, woman, and child. It's not the exclusive property of pastors and religious leaders and PhDs. It belongs to all of us. And the job of Yuan Galizo, evangelizing the world, that's not my exclusive gig. It is all of our privilege to go to the world and say, there's hope at Christmas. If you're homeless, there's hope at Christmas. If you're hungry, there's hope at Christmas. If you're in need, if your family is broken, if your heart's in pieces, there's hope at Christmas because the Messiah is here. Amen? The best Christmas gift you can give the world is to be a shepherd. You may have come to church today thinking, I'm just going to make my mom and dad happy. I'm just going to sit through another boring sermon by Pastor Stenham, and I'm going to get to eat. Bad news, there's no food today. You just have to go home hungry. Just kidding. If I did that, the church would empty. No. But here's the thing. You have a great privilege. You came either like a wise man, knowing what you would find, or you came like a shepherd, hoping to find something. But now, through the word of God, you've seen the truth. Now, what you do with this truth is between you and the Lord. You can either tell other people, you can excite other people, you can share with other people what's going on. Those first four weeks of January are going to be great because we're going to prove through the word, through science, through astronomy, through geology, through history, we're going to prove that the Bible is 10,000% correct. No errors, no mistakes, no misinterpretations. We're going to prove it. Why? You say we already have faith. Exactly. But when we have that proof, we will be bolstered and strengthened to go to a world and give them that same proof. Then we could be like these shepherds. Many thought the shepherds were drunk or just crazy because God would never come to them. But God has come to all of us today. It's our job to take it to the world. So, who are you this Christmas Day? My last question. Who are you this Christmas Day? Have you lived in expectation this year? Has this year, have you been in expectation looking for the coming of the Lord? 
The, old, the New Testament says it again and again. It says, be expectant. Look expectantly for Jesus to come back. I ain't ready for the second coming, y'all. Seriously. I am ready to see Jesus. And I look at the world, people, if you can look at this world and tell me that everything's okay, one of us has got a problem, and it ain't me. Because this world is not okay. This world is sitting on the edge of disaster. America economically could collapse any day. As soon as our troops left Iraq, did you notice what happened? Massive attacks on the, on the structure of the government. How long will Iraq stay up? I don't know. It's only stayed up this long because we've been there. But now we're gone. We're out. And their fate is in their own hands. Actually, their fate is in God's hands. But your fate rests on this. What do you do with this Jesus? Are you looking for God to do something? Second, did you come here today out of habit or custom only to discover that God is the true gift of Christmas? Maybe you came here today just to make your parents happy. Young people, us older folks, maybe we came out of habit, force of habit, force of tradition. I've never worn one of these in church before. You know what I mean? So this is a new tradition for me, but I like it. Maybe today you came out of tradition, but now you know that there's something more going on behind the scenes. There's more to Christmas, more to Jesus, more to church than being religious. And I hope that has shaken you to your core. I hope that shakes you up so that you begin to look closer and deeper at who this Messiah is. Last one. However you came, I hope you go away today having a reason to rejoice and report to the world that unto us a son is given. And that son is Jesus. There's people out there in your workplace, in your school, your teachers, your friends, they need to know that Christmas is really about the Messiah. It's about salvation from death. It is about going from death into life. It's not about gifts. It's about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you. My voice held out. And God, thank you that your word is so strong. Father, I just praise you that today we have come like wise men and shepherds. Father, some of us, we know what we're looking for. We know what we want. We want evidence. We want proof. We want to find in your word, Father, the affirmation of all that we know and believe. And Father, some have come today like shepherds, stunned by Christmas, amazed by what they think might be, and looking, Father, for proof, looking for the realization of all that they have known or suspected. Father, whatever, however we came here today, whether we came in expectation or whether we came just guessing, Father, help us to leave this place today sure, certain, positive, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And Father, I just pray that today we can rejoice because your son does reign and we have the greatest Christmas gift of all that is peace with you. In Jesus' name, amen.